Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seize upon the moment long ago. One breath away and there you will be. So young and carefree. Again you will see that place in time. The Outsiders is the movie based on the first young adult novel ever defined as such. Made by one of the most respected directors at the time, the actors are a who's who of who would become super famous in the 80s. And I bet boys and girls were all daydreaming about all of these boys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is 80s Movie Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. The Outsiders is about Pony Boy and his family and friends from the wrong side of the tracks. Called the Greasers, they have constant issues with a rival gang of rich kids known as the Soches. And all of them equally have the same amount of toxic masculinity. (laughs) Yeah. No matter whose side you're on. You know, it seems like uh, when you see things like the rumble and this, you know, affiliation with switchblades and wanting to fight and wanting to, you know... uh, Fight in the rain and in the mud. That seems to be reoccurring in these movies. Yeah. Just raining, lightning, and just getting thrown around in crap. (laughs) There's also how, you know, we see Dally's first interaction with Cherry Valance, where he's sexually harassing her constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of that, but it's the film is kind of fascinating because at first glance, you're like, oh, so much toxic masculinity, because that's a f- term we know now that we mm-hmm. didn't used to use. But then I'm like, I'm so taken by this film and that there's the other side of it, right? The total other side, in which the lead character, Pony Boy, is this very sensitive soul who, with Johnny, reads Gone with the Wind, you know, mm-hmm. uh, literature written by a woman uh, about uh, a strong female heroine, that they quote Robert Frost, you know, talk about poetry, write poetry, um, and they have this complete other side to them. And so I think the film's really about exploring toxic masculinity yeah you know and and that's kind of more of what the commentary is yeah i think it's funny that the people who were like the supposed to be the villains in this the johnny and uh pony boy yeah who typically because they murdered someone yes, yeah that's what i'm saying they they murdered someone, they're the outlaws they were the literal they were sweeter than cherry like cherry was even okay with getting sexually assaulted i, I mean she she was i mean if we're gonna f- switch over to cherry for a second um you know, I mean, to me, the the almost the, the, the biggest issue with the film I have is with Cherry. Mm-hmm. I mean, me you, you see at the beginning, she's with her boyfriend, Bob, Leaf Garrett. Um, and she he's the, the opening scene is about her, you know, him him trying something with her at the drive in and her walking away. So she's like, I'm not putting up with this. This isn't OK. I'm going to get away from them. And then she finds 
Dally and who also sexually harasses her <laughs> and who she also is isn't going to put up with right until <laughs> someone shows up with a car <laughs> <laughs> well it's just like it's just like as soon as you know she's like as soon as she's she's, she's being so tough and like I'm not going to stand for that that's not acceptable I won't accept that kind of behavior and then she tells Johnny and uh and pony boy well, you need to keep him away from me or else I'm going to fall in love with him. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And then it becomes clear that that's, you know, more what, oh, you know, she's, she's acting, she acted like this. Do you think it means she likes me? You know, Mm -hmm. and it's that sort of thing. And, and that's again, the part that how rape culture starts kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's what's wrong with your parents that, that we're taught that this behavior is okay, you know. Oh, a boy treats you like this. He's harassing you. He's making comments about you. He makes sexual comments about you. He likes you. He likes you. And isn't he just dreamy? And you know, that's how we and express- not trying to use you as a whole. <laughs> I I mean, it, it really is. And that's I think I think you know we you wanted to do the outsiders. You've wanted to do this film since we started doing this podcast. Yeah, I want to, this, like, I saw Ponyboy, I saw, I saw Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw Patrick Swayze. Tom Cruise. Tom, eh, not really, but <laughs> I don't like Tom Cruise. Not uh, my type. He's got some weird teeth in this movie. He's teeth and are a mustache. Up. A mustache? Yeah, he had, like, this weird pedo stash. He did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. I just saw, like, his, like, buck teeth. It was weird. I, was like, I thought, I thought that's what I saw. Um... They're all very attractive, so I've been wanting to do this. Oh, that's why you wanted to do it. Okay, yes. I thought you were interested well, also in exploring I know the them. theme. <laughs> well, them, but also because that was their first movie, right? Yeah, Most of their a first lot movies. of them, yeah. They're, they were so, just starting their careers. Yeah, like, they're all babies, mm-hmm. so they're all, like, the closest to my age that they would ever be. <laughs> right. So, like, that's, you know, that's the appropriate age to daydream. Yeah, that's true. Well, the reason I was a little, I thought all those were good reasons. The Outsider, one of the most influential books for teenagers in the 70s and 80s, uh, and continues to be, you know, Um, but I just, I I was hesitant to do this because I think, oh, I've been trying to not cover films that actually take place in the 50s. There are so many movies they made in the 80s that take place in the 50s. This one takes place in the 60s. But because I'm like, well, aren't we getting a little confused in what we're trying to cover? Um, but it was an important film. And I think, you know, and, and the other thing is when I watch these movies, I'm like, well, what am I watching that's an example of what was going on in the 50s or 60s? And what is an example? Where's the 80s-isms coming in here? Where is the filmmaking coming in and dictating something that maybe didn't exist in the 50s? So, um, but I think that this issue with Cherry about, oh, that means he likes you and that's okay to be treated that way. And you remember how Two-Bit like flips up a girl's skirt? I mean, Two-Bit was so obnoxious at the mm-hmm. drive-in and he's like, you know, uh, how's it hanging? Ha ha ha. You know, and flips up a girl's skirt so you can see her underwear. Oh, I'm so funny. I mean, the, oh, uh, yes. I mean, I don't know if that boy still exists in your universe. Yes, but they do. He definitely existed in the 80s. And it and that kind of character is, I feel like, the kind of characters we see in a lot of 80s films. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of, you know, just, um, just obnoxious, but we're all laughing at him. And therefore, teen boys think, I should act like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Cherry, in her thinking, knowing that, that The Outsiders was written by a teenage girl, uh, kind of indicates that that's what she thought too. That, that she was observing people she saw 
But in her cherry expressing herself that way, it either means one of two things. She saw girls like that who would say, oh, but it means he likes me. And she's making a commentary on Cherry instead of, I, I don't get the feeling, I definitely don't get, if the, reading interviews with Essie Hinton, it definitely doesn't seem like she identified as Cherry Valance in any way. Mm-hmm. She said she was, a, you know, because the question is, you've got a woman who's writing this story about guys, essentially. And that, to me, is part of the question with the outsiders when we're covering it. Because we do have these, you know, we do see this sensitive, creative side of of uh, Pony Boy and Johnny, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, is that because that's how boys were, or is it because this is a a woman, a feminine touch here? Now, I mean, Francis Ford Coppola made the movie, but it's based on the book, and you definitely can't get away from those elements. And mm-hmm. but if, but people didn't know Essie Hinton was a girl necessarily, right? Yeah. That's part of her using her initials, so you don't know. But she said she was a tomboy, and um, the authenticity of the movie is that she said. You know, this is what she saw happening in her high school in Tulsa. Well, I think that definitely those boys exist. Like, they're definitely sense like the sensitive ones. Mm-hmm. You know, it, who even who look like they're they're not, but they are. Mm-hmm. That we always have that. So, but no one ever really talks about them. Mm-hmm. They're usually like if they're in like an eighties movie, if it's a group of boys, they're usually the group of boys that are in the back, not really laughing or kind of giggling, right? But never really saying anything. To yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, I you don't see this type of character often. You don't see because it's suppressed by toxic masculinity. Right. Right. And so even when you might have a kid like uh, uh, you know, like let's just go with an average Joe character like um Scott from Teen Wolf, right? Michael J. Fox's character, right? I mean, he's still, he's got to win the basketball game, right? He's going to bring out the wolf so he can win the basketball game. He's still going to get the girl. You know, he's still like all of that stuff still exists, even in these characters that we relate to in 80s films. And that's part of what I think makes this film more extraordinary, because, I mean, the boys cry. You see mm-hmm. several scenes of the guys crying, crying together. And I thought that's extraordinary. This is so I was trying to figure out when would we put our finger on when toxic masculinity in films, not that a slow burn doesn't get you there, because it does. I mean, I was looking back, like, what would be the first character, Citizen uh, Charles Foster Kane and Citizen Kane is, you know, a character with toxic masculinity. So, like, you can definitely see it. I think when we get in the 70s, we definitely have these... Um, uh, you know, we have we have death uh, we have death wish with Charles Bronson. You know, where he solves everything with a gun. To me, it's kind of where it also starts coming into to to using guns for everything. First Blood is in 1982 with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Terminator. I would. I mean, I put. I don't know if you put Conan or Conan the Barbarian or Terminator first, but I might say Terminator uh, for Arnold Schwarzenegger. But this is sort of coming out of the 70s where being sensitive was okay and then this this wave of toxic masculinity in the movies that we see uh as we go the later in the 80s we get the more we see it it was a backlash to the sensitivity (laughs) that was allowed to men in the 70s it was like i grew up with an album called um free to be and rosie greer who was a big football player you know it's it was an album for little kids but you know has a song it's all right to cry you know and they also have a a song on there called um billy wants a doll or i think it was billy billy wants a doll and these ideas that you know about gender roles and they were trying they were trying in the 70s it's so funny we're still here and we're still fighting these same fights um you know 50 years later 40 years later um but 
the the allowance of that is just really interesting and so i think that's i think that's part of what's great about the outsiders and and if we do had a had a little feminine touch in there without the guys realizing it it could only have done good things <laughs> it, it probably brought a lot of emotions it, it it this reminds me of like um a what was that what was that movie about the greaser like grease town high something high it was like about the greasers and the and the jocks and like they fought and it was kind of like a romeo and juliet west side yeah story? west side story uh-huh. it reminds me of like an emotional west side story but about the greasers kind of yeah you know what i mean yeah like it just feels like yeah, I mean the we, girl version of it. Well, I think we do kind of see this story. We saw it here. You see it in Rebel Without a Cause to some degree. I mean, I haven't seen Rebel Without a Cause in a long time, but um, it's in Greece. I mean, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. is literally he and his friends are the greasers. They work on cars. There's the rich, you know, athlete that is trying to romance Sandy. Um, so you see the social. But it just class doesn't thing. really focus on the girl in this point, which is weird because a girl wrote this, and you would think a girl wants it to be romantic. No, mm-hmm. it's emotional, not yeah. romantic. Yeah. Um, the what this film also explores that you really don't see in '80s teen films is poverty. Yeah. I mean, the point is these none of these kids' parents are around. Like you know, Johnny's Johnny has parents who are around. They just don't care yeah. about him. And um you know, and, and they I mean, I think they're I through the decades we've seen a more uh responsible thought process and parenting to keep your kids keep a better eye on your kids. But, you know, when I grew up they, they definitely would just let kids go play. Nobody kept an eye on you. You're just like, oh, stay in the neighborhood. You know, maybe don't cross that big street. But, like, you were just off running around. We all went to the pool. We all went, you know, wherever in our neighborhood without anyone. you just show up at somebody's house. <laughs> we didn't have phones. And parents were just like, trust you'd come home by a certain time. And you usually would. And, you know, I mean, that was – I mean, cause, because, right, even if you did that today, you usually would. But now we know there's people out there abducting, and you know, so very just, more aware of it now. Yeah, well, I don't know it that there were all more, more paranoid. I don't think that there were sex trafficking rings at at, at that point in time. It not organized. Well, not organized like they are now. Now they're international. You know, sex there's trafficking still rings. slave trade going on that we don't know. About. Well, true, true. It's legal in some no, states. No, but I'm saying right. But I'm just saying this this. I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I don't I'm know. I'm just saying, like... You're right. I don't know like, what I don't know. We thought slavery was over. Turns out it's not. We only have this hint of information, but I don't doubt for a second that... Because why would it still be legal in some states? You know what I mean? Yeah, but, crazy. like, also, there's so much sex trafficking going on. It's just... I just feel like it's a lot more aware because of the internet now because they've caught so many things through the internet yeah and so they're like okay that's how they're doing it no that's not exactly how they're doing it they've been doing it for a while there have been abductions for a really long time yeah kids never come back up right they probably are still in the ring they're like or their bodies are gone but they pull the teeth out of people you know like yeah. So that they cannot be identified. Like, there's a lot of reasons why we have a lot of Jane Doe's. <laughs> yeah. So that they cannot be identified like that. Yeah. So, you don't know. Right. You're we right. Never know. You're right. You're right. You're right. And there was a lot of weird stuff and in the And Ted Bundy and... was in the 80s, wasn't he? There was a lot of serial... <laughs> there no, was a lot of serial well, this killers. is what I'm saying. There was a lot of serial killing going on in the 80s for whatever reason in the 70s and 80s. But... I feel uh, like people thought they could get away with it because in this movie also... 
I, I know that Johnny dies, but they don't... Pony Boy never gets convicted or like or like or tried or tried yeah that's what I mean well, at like, least we don't see it that far but right he's just he never gets arrested yeah so like I feel like like he didn't do anything technically yeah. so like but he would still have to go on trial and go to court you know what I mean like especially now right but like I also back feel then, like I felt like I just kept thinking why aren't you telling everyone it's because he was drowning your friends yeah like, there, there was, was a, a reason, reason. <laughs> it was self defense like this was straight right. up self defense I think part of the point is is that no one would believe him like for a and this is this is what's missing from the outsiders now this is true to this to to you know this is authentic to essie hinton's experience so chances are there maybe weren't a lot of black kids who went to her high school and and i think you know schools and segregation and even after they um after they started segregation it didn't mean it was in every high school. So, mm-hmm. and, and when it was left up to, you know, people were still living in different neighborhoods at this point. So it kind of seems true that maybe there weren't any black kids at their high school, but you know, I, I did read a commentary by a, a black journalist who said that the lack of it, like the whole thing with the outsiders feels insulting because you're like, okay, so you're talking about an upper class and a lower class, but you, you're, you know, but yeah. even then the lower class still had more status than, the black class, yeah. you know, and well, they're and, still white people, you know, mm-hmm. they still were believed. Right. Well, I talked to your grandpa about this. Um, my dad who, cause he, he graduated from, uh, he graduated from high school in 1961. So I was kind of curious what he thought about this and what the authenticity was. And, and he said like when he saw the movie, when it came out, he felt he said he felt really disconnected to it. I mean, he's like, maybe I missed it because, you know, I graduated in 60, high school in 61. I graduated from college about the time that this takes place. And I was like, well, I still feel like dad. You'd have an awareness of. And he said what he saw was that it was very, the characters felt more like the 50s, um, which I think is true when you think about, like, who's the greasers, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's from Greece, which takes place in the 50s. When you think yeah. of these characters, they're in the 50s. And I, I can't say that this wasn't happening in Tulsa at the time. But he, he said that, you know, by the time he graduated, the guys all had, like, short, really, like, crew cuts. That was kind of the thing, the way everyone was wearing their hair, not greased back. And, uh, uh, but the rumbles thing, the rumbles thing was real. Like, rumble, like, guys doing the rumbles and looking for fights and always fist fighting, that that, that, that was a normal thing. But he said what, uh, where he saw that that started to go away was when Vietnam came. Mm. Um, that, you know, really you have all this pent up, I mean, it's kind of fascinating because you think about our country and when our country comes together and it's when we're in a war, usually, I mean, mm-hmm. not right now. I mean, I guess because <laughs> we've been in an endless war, but, um, we're in a, in a war with ourselves. We are, we are, we are in a war with ourselves because yes. it's like, we got to have someone to fight. We have to have someone to fight. And if you don't feel an immediate threat like World War One or World War Two or you know or, or something like that uh, or Vietnam where there was a, a definitely a war within ourselves, but it was because you had people saying, "Why are we in this war?" Yeah. And so he said that by the time you get to like you know mid '60s or just past, like 
everyone seemed very focused on the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and their feelings on that. They just didn't have the time or energy to fight each other anymore. Well, yeah. About, it, about it, like, that. About little you, things. Yeah. Like, you're focused on getting bombed or not at mm-hmm. that moment. You're not really focused on what I'm, how I'm going to grease my hair back today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Weirdly, but, even though I feel like my generation would focus on that yeah. to not focus on what's going on. Right. Like, that's what we would do. No, you're right. I mean, you guys have we an... We dye our hair. You guys have an avoidance strategy, you know, where you get upset at some things and then you have to go and then you're like, okay, I feel so upset about this that I am going to then comfort myself by watching Netflix all day or commenting on, you know, watching TikTok or commenting on things that are kind of silly, you know, well, in the greater your scheme mind of things. Of it. Yeah. And a lot of people joke about, especially joke about dark humor. Like we joke about, like, I mean... It's not good. We know it's not good. We don't want to get shot up at school all the time, do we? But we do make jokes about the fact that we do get threats all the time and we are so okay with it. Like, it's so, like, rub off the shoulder. And it's so funny, like, other countries will be like, oh, Americans, at least we don't get shot at school. Or, like, you know, like, it's kind of funny at this point. But it's but it's it's ridiculous. But we can't help it. I uh, like it's funny. Yeah. Like why would you why would you do drills of school shootings when the person that's going to be shooting up the school is most likely one of those kids? Right. He'll know all the tricks. <laughs> exactly. Why would you do that? Like my school, we got a bomb threat or a shooting threat. They moved all of us to one place in the school. Why would you move all of us to one place in the school? Yeah. <laughs> and it was outside on the field. Like open area, right? And there's there so many kids. I know where I could drive what? past you. I, like I would drive past you could, to see if I could see you. You but could you're do right. a drive by <laughs> shot. You could do a drive by shooting by just doing that because yeah. it was so outside and it was like like kids were screaming because we're like. We could literally get the shot at any moment. And by the There's way, probably bombs on this field. Like, this is probably where they put the bombs. Are you kidding me? And or by the, the way, office. And by the way, if someone did start shooting, then you guys would stampede. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, I, it's there was stupid. a lot of logic. It was new. It was new then. You know, <laughs> it was new. People didn't know handle, how to handle school But so, shootings. like, that's how we, like, oh handle God. it at this point. We yeah. just, like, at this point, we're just laughing, like... Like, and what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, convince, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, well okay, so this is, um, what, so, what, so, 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 so on that note, right, what this film is about, one of the issues is bullying, mm-hmm. um, universal uh, teenage experience. Um, and then the other thing is. These kids are walking around with knives all the time. Yeah. Right? They use like <laughs> switchblades. Um, the other thing is injustice. And. You know, there's a. I mean, this is why uh, Dally loses it at the end, right? The injustice that Johnny just saved these kids from a burning building. That he is this sweet kid, you know, who would never hurt anybody. Although, yes, he technically killed somebody, but he did to defend his to save the life of his friend. And that all of these bad things happen to this really sweet good-hearted person who just really drew a short straw you know when it came to life and and so he you know is so upset by that that he creates the scenario where he's going to get murdered yeah um but i think it's true about the teenagers and injustice and i see you know i mean it is it is true It, it i don't know if there was an era that didn't feel that way it feels like i mean i would have if i would have guessed i would have said the early 60s so this disproves that um uh 
but you know, we go from this moment, right? That even though this is filmed in 1983, it was written starting around, I think 64 or 65 is when she started writing it when she was in high school. And so here there's just this, well, there's nothing you can do kind of feeling about it. Right. And that's even the conversation that the Soch has with pony boy privately is listen, you can win the rumble. It doesn't matter. We still win life. You know, we, we have more advantages than you're going to have. We have everything we need to succeed and we will succeed and you won't because you're poor. Um, and there's sort of this acceptance in a way that life is unfair. And I think that, I think that that life is unfair, uh, belief has always been in humanity. And, you know, if you get a good well, break, it, it is, it is, but, 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 but it's really annoying, especially I feel like not just me, all my friends feel this and like, like adults have said like just suck it up life's unfair suck it up i don't want to fucking suck it up anymore (laughs) right like i feel like i believe in reincarnation and i feel like i've been dealing with this bullshit after every life after every life i'm tired of it and i feel like that's why especially my generation is just like why are we still doing this it's been 200 years pick a fucking side like holy shit yeah like just pick a side it's like Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's just people are idiots at this point. Why can't you just be okay with letting someone want to do their own fucking thing? Or like yeah. like like le- giving or, or maybe like not taking money from the poor. Yeah. Like how about we not do that? Right. Like that doesn't make sense, does it? No. Why why does that make sense? It right. doesn't. Right. Well, like capitalism is just idiotic at this point well well that's a that's a different issue which is the moral fabric of society which has completely disintegrated yeah so in the poor the poor is always going to stay poor right and you're never going to be successful there's a cycle of poverty which which i think in the book they get more into this although i haven't i actually never read the book but i believe the book gets more into this that i think it's soda pop but one of the characters like the like uh daryl you know, is trying to get Soda Pop to go to college. I, I think that's my recollection. Um, so that he can escape the cycle of poverty. And again, back to the conversation with about my dad. So the part of the reason I started, I, I asked my dad about this, is he grew up in a, a kind of like, you know, I don't know, like kind of a small, low economic town um, in Missouri. You know, not a big city, but not a country. It wasn't the country either. It was just kind of one of these you know, a couple stoplights, towns and stuff. And um, he said, you know, the social class stuff, it was there, but not so much because no one really had money. Um, but he said he he graduated from high school in the lower third of his class. And, you know, being poor, you know, didn't have a ton of supervision and was kind of like that kid. And then he woke up to the fact that if he wanted to escape that life, that he had to get his act together and get into college, mm-hmm. you know? So he does that, and then to pay for it, he joins um, ROTC, and then he goes to Vietnam and is able to, you know, come in as an officer to, to hopefully, you know, improve his chances of surviving Vietnam, uh, which worked. So a uh, well-thought-out plan. Um, and, you know, but that's that's part of it, is there was a real realization, like, if you want to escape poverty, you're going to have to really pull up by the bootstra- bootstraps. But, you know, the way we were talking about the injustice and the way that people saw, oh, life is unfair, there's nothing you can do, just try to, you know, get by on your day-to-day life. 
so I think what we see is it starts to change. Like, and maybe, and maybe this, you know, maybe we could say if we go back, because things seem to cycle in, in an earlier decade, but looking at the more modern history. Um, so in the, so here we are in the sixties where this is going on. Then people go to Vietnam, right? And there's protests and there's outrage. And by the time you get to the late sixties, you know, people are just completely, every nerve is on edge. You know, people are raging, people are protesting. And then we start to see things like, you know, then there starts to be an awareness that the government is like just screwing you over that Vietnam, they knew they could never win Vietnam and yet they wouldn't pull out. They, you know, the Pentagon papers that Watergate, that the president is trying to cheat, that they, um, uh, that, you know, MLK and JFK and RFK are all murdered, you know, um, and those are all your leaders. Those are all the guys trying to, you know, work for peace (laughs) and be helpful. Right. And they're just being murdered probably by the government. Right. Or something. It just feels like you can't win. There's so much outrage where you you, you can't get them to, you know, call it on the Vietnam war. You can't get all these things to stop. The government's lying to you. So you see in the sense, there's just this sense of, of like dread, you know, and you see it in the films and how gritty they are because people were just like, you know, like it just felt so dark and damp maybe this is why the serial killer started i don't know like uh, a lack of being able to make a difference and to change things and so it starts to come into like an almost apathetic feeling now you roll into the 80s right and so the 80s the way that it winds up manifesting is in this what they call the slackers you know like you know kids who are just like you know kind of snarky kind of like whatever you know like why should i care why should i lift a finger why should i i'm just gonna you know do whatever get drunk be stupid i mean so now when we look at the 80s we're like oh it was this carefree time well yeah because there was no war and we started doing better financially but there was this sense of you know well rebelliousness i mean rebelliousness in a different way it wasn't a rebelliousness like i'm gonna protest it was the opposite it's what we see in film where there's this attitude of upending authority like i don't believe anything you're saying i don't you know i'm just an average guy and i'm gonna succeed by being you know rude and gross and sexist and uh just be who i want to be because why should i care yeah well, that's true, but I do, I feel like... It's a fuck-it-all. That's what it is. It's yeah. a fuck-it-all attitude. Yeah. But that's honestly, but that's the best kind of, I feel like that's kind of the best kind of film, though, in a way, <laughs> is when it's fuck-it-all energy, because there, it is, at the end, it doesn't really matter, does Yeah, it? yeah. And it's just for, com- but, like, that kind of has, maybe that's why these 80s movies were so good, and why people were obsessed with them, even though they were sexist, even though they were racist. People were still, like, I-, I bet you there were still black people that were obsessed with movies that had hella racism in it, maybe. Like, uh-huh. I just because they were popular movies and they were good movies. Like, right, that right. Prob- like, there's plenty of movies I love that are so sexist and so, like, women are objects. Uh-huh. We've seen them all here. Like, yeah, but right. I don't not like the movie. Right. Like, which sucks, but. Yeah. In a way, like that doesn't, that's not what makes a good movie. There's a lot of fucked up things in movies. But I think maybe that's why one of the, why 80s movies are so good is because it kind of gave hope back yeah. to your generation, which is probably why you're so obsessed with them. Because that kind of, you guys didn't have like, like my generation as middle school, high school, 
girls, teenage girls who were obsessed with boy bands went on Wattpad and read fan fiction about the boy bands, like, them meeting at a concert and them taking them back to the hotel room. You guys didn't have that. You had movies. Uh-huh. You had to have the visuals because, like, you could make it up with the, in your head like a book, but that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's boring. Well, I read a lot of books, too, but yeah, yeah. Well, the visual's would... always better, right. isn't it? But, like, the in Wattpad, they would always make... Yeah. Would make fan well, art. movies are more but, escapist, and they create the environment for you. So they fill in, you know, the set design, the makeup, the hair, the, you know, it, the beauty of, you know, the actors. I mean, all this stuff. It kind of delivers it to you in this beautiful package, and and you know, so I mean, they they both have their advantages. Yes, but <laughs> either way, there are still many men that are in movies that are very disgusting mm-hmm. in the movie, but I still find them very attractive. Yes. <laughs> um. Part of what makes The Outsiders hold up is, and what she tapped into, uh, is the fact that all teenagers, I mean, if not all humanity, but definitely all, like, teenagers feel like they're outsiders, even in your own clique, right? Even mm-hmm. in your own group. I mean, I went to three different high schools, and I moved all the time when I was a kid. So even when I had a group, you know, I never quite felt like I didn't grow up with them. Mm-hmm. I didn't, they all had stories from third grade that I didn't share, and and I just I found that like as I've grown up that I you know like I I just don't ever feel like I fit in wherever I work I'm the one who like I worked at Variety but when I worked at Variety they were all entertainment journalists and I was like the radio girl who like you know and I did radio while they were all kind of covering the stories or um, you know when I worked uh, at Playboy like they were all doing like sex like really sex oriented content and I was like doing a dating show they called me PG-13 like <laughs> you know when uh, everywhere that I've that I've worked uh, or anywhere that I've been I've always been like in high school my friends were all Jewish I you know in Oklahoma City so they were kind of you know outsiders to most of Oklahoma City but then I was the Christian hanging out with the Jewish kids in a Christian community so I was as far removed as possible but I mean that I think you know you've told lots of stories to show that that is kind of the case for you as well yes in a lot of the cases (laughs) yeah well I just don't judge people off their appearance Mm-hmm. or like their taste in things mm-hmm. <laughs> i judge you off if you're racist sexist <laughs> or rude to people yeah yeah or or gross <laughs> rapist <laughs> um uh and then the social class thing is something i now i don't i didn't go i don't remember in any school ever that there was a divide in social groups based on someone's family's income or where they lived. I, in talking to my dad, he's like, well, you know, we did that intentionally. You know, we specifically lived places where everyone was kind of on the same economic sphere so that you wouldn't feel those differences. But I know you felt that at your first high school, that they were there, there definitely was. I mean, by the way, no one at your first high school was poor. Like, no one was living in poverty. Mm, that's not necessarily true. We had a couple people from Hawthorne. Oh, okay. And Inglewood. Mm-hmm. And I think there was, like, at least two people from Compton. Okay. But that were, like, um, like, my my ex, he he was from Hawthorne, but he yeah. got jumped. So he got transferred by eight guys. So he got transferred to that school. Oh. So he's, so. <laughs> okay. But, um... 
But it was a lot. It wasn't as much for guys. It was. I feel like it was more for girls. But there was. There's definitely a. Um, the rich kids because they have the big houses that they can throw parties at and their parents don't really give a shit about them to be honest mm-hmm. and in my opinion <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or their or their parents are just drunks uh-huh. most of the time it's that um so they're just like okay like kids can get drunk as well even though they're 15 we're just gonna give them alcohol yeah um <laughs> and let them throw parties uh and then you have i would say like the stoners the rich stoner kids I would say that they they were also kind of like I, I think the if rich you... kids weren't smoking pot. I thought the rich kids were doing everything else at that school. No, everybody smokes. Yeah, everyone smokes. Yeah, there's not one person. Like if you don't like smoking, you're probably weird. Okay, <laughs> well, okay. So I'm not going to agree with that, but I will say. <laughs> But I thought that the rich kids were doing all the other... I mean, I thought that was the one thing about that high school. When I started asking around about other high schools, I found that maybe they all had one other drug that they kind of as a school would do. Oh, yeah. The the rich kids like Coke and Molly, definitely, because mm-hmm. they like to go to raves. Mm-hmm. I think raves are so annoying, but mm-hmm. that's just me. Also, why would you go, like, bare naked to a very cold place? You know what I mean? Like, that sounds so uncomfortable to me. Um, I know. I remember that time you talked me into taking you to the warehouse party uh, by LAX mm-hmm. and I was like I don't this can't be right and you're like no everybody's going and I'm like no and I drop you off and I see that there are all these kids <laughs> and I'm like how is this legal and I was the only parent everybody else was coming in an uber I feel like I don't know if that makes yeah. me worse of a parent or... no I, at least you knew where I was but like um um I was like call me <laughs> that that was like the parties for like the like because pop the popular rich kids would come to those but they would only show up for like 20 minutes because they had money for uber they hadn't they and they always had a house to go back to yeah but like but like me and my friends we didn't have a house to go back to we were just there we were just there seeing what was going to happen because usually there was drama there was a fight uh-huh. there was something goes down yeah most of the time yeah and you kind of want to i, I kind of just wanted to be there to see what happens uh-huh um and but also a lot of people would go to those to work up their party credibility to where you would just assume that that person's coming and be like hey are you coming to this party and if they didn't even know about the party they would now show up because you just told them about that party mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's you kind of it's like a weird work your way up kind of thing mm-hmm. you get boy you get bored of it after a year it's mm-hmm. really boring well i remember you telling me when you were trying to defend the reason to smoke pot is you said that it was the great equalizer it it is the great equalizer Mm-hmm. It is the great. That's actually very true. <laughs> <laughs> that you would, that you said, you know, you go out and you're smoking, <laughs> and then somebody who's super popular and rich or whatever would come out and you guys would talk. That's very true. Yes, because you, that, that's that's extremely true. I forgot about that. Yeah, you would pull out something, and then they would. But it was more of like they would see what you're doing and they didn't have it or they didn't have any on them. Yeah. Or they just didn't want to share with anyone. So they're like, and they're like, I kind of know this person. So they kind of grab you and they're like, hey, (laughs) friend. Friend. (laughs) And like most of the time, stoners are never, stoners are never going to be like, I mean, like people are stingy with their stuff. But if we're friends and we're talking, they're most likely going to be like, you want some Uh or something like that. But if you say no, they're not going to be like, why? They're going to be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not, it's not, there's never really a fight going on in that yeah. situation. Yeah. And then you talk for five minutes, 
they get what they wanted out of it. They probably get their hits. You get a nice conversation. You have someone now let, who's in your class that you could walk up to and just start talking to now. Mm-hmm. It's Yes, it is the great equalizer. And anybody could come up to you, too. Like, it doesn't have to be necessarily a popular kid. Mm-hmm. It could be, like, in my... in I looked up to the kids in the grades above me, mm-hmm. personally, just because I watched them from a distance. <laughs> so, like, because I was always at the parties. Mm-hmm. So I always saw them. So I kind of always looked up to them because they also knew what they were doing way, obviously, more than I did because they were older and had been doing this for a year longer. But so I would always, if it was one of my friends who's a year or two older than me, that's what I was going for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, not for necessarily conversation, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that does it with The Outsiders. Yeah, just toxic masculinity. It honestly wasn't that bad of a movie. I feel like this is kind of an okay movie to, like, for a son and father to watch. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. Like, it's worthy enough. But at the same time, not we, the father would need to tell him not to feed into... <laughs> be like, this was the 50s. Right, right. This was the 50s. Right. This right. was the 50s. And don't treat girls like that. Yeah. Yeah. And well, okay. because that's that's why I like this movie, because they don't really, like, yes, there is the sexual harassment. Yes, yes, they show Cherry and all that. But they only do show her for five to ten minutes, and it's not about her. No, it's, it's about not. the boys. But you did mention while we were watching the movie that Cherry is toxic. Oh, she's so toxic. She that No, that, that was so disgusting of her. To get out of the car, say we're done, then... Dally's sexually harassing her. He's way hotter than Bob, in my opinion. <laughs> and and she says no to him. And then, okay, and then is walking around with these 14-year-olds, Yeah, might I add, <laughs> who are protecting her, I guess. Uh-huh. And then these old, these the older guys pull up, and she's like, oh, well, I don't want to fight, so I'm going to be the bigger person, and I'm going to go be with the douchebag instead of just defending you and telling him to fuck off. Yeah. I'm going to actually just go sleep with him and probably suck his dick. <laughs> and then uh, then she leaves and says, oh, and before she leaves, she goes, by the way, if I don't say hi to you ever, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. I just can't be seen with you. Yeah. Like, you're just not, but you're sweet, but... Yeah, this never happened. <laughs> That's toxic. I know. But then she's the go-between, right? She's the spy, as Dally calls her. Uh, th- that's never... Toss- that's not really being a good person. An in-between is never... They're never a good person. There's a reason they're in-between. Yeah. And it's because she's weak. Yeah. She's weak. Yeah. If she... if There's a reason she's a spy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because she wants to help them but doesn't feel... But do you not think that's because she's a woman? Because she's a girl and she has less power in this point in time, in this point in history, might have less power in, you know, in the whole scheme of it. Well, the only way it would make her not a bad person is if she was basing it off the fact of her family. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, in the 50s... If you're the rich, one of the rich people in the rich neighborhoods, and you can't, and you're out with a poor person who's greaser uh-huh. at the time, that's kind of not good rep, right? And a lot of us were focused on reputation for some reason back then. <laughs> but like, if she wanted, if she was trying to defend womanism and, uh-huh. and stop the sexism and the uh-huh. sexual harassment, the whole all of the greasers would have fought for her. Yeah. So. It's not like that, like, just because she's a woman, yes, she now has a target on her back from these jocks. Yeah. But 
she it's not like she has no protection it's not like she's defending nothing she now has a whole group of greasers who are the tougher ones by the way the ones with knives by the way uh-huh. and the ones that actually know how to handle shit yeah like in my opinion because they grew up at a young age which is why they act out yeah most of the time right right and pony boy would have even though he was 14 he would have not let anything happen to her and his brother and with that he now you now have his two brothers and then you have the whole group so she would have been fine (laughs) yeah yeah it was literally just to defend her reputation yeah yeah which is being that's that's a shit thing to do Mm mm-hmm yeah. Because I don't know why you guys were so focused on reputation, especially because we were at war Ugh, once parent, again. Well, I mean, it comes from your parents. No, no, no. I know. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I don't know why well, we remember, were all focused though, on being Christian and, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. And not dirty and, like, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, well, why was if, rock, mu- so it rock starts, music as devil's music? Well, yes. I mean, it goes all the way back then. But remember, the pill is what starts to allow these things to change. The thing is, is that parents had to, I mean, all this stuff about girls being slutty and girl, whatever. But, like, it always starts with the fact that parents are trying to get their daughters to not have sex because their daughters might get pregnant. And then, and then it's the girl, it's always the girl's problem. You know, in these times, the guy's did seem to find a way to get away. The guy's reputation wasn't ruined. The girl's reputation, you know, the girl, then the she can't find, she can't, you know, then she has to find someone to marry her because back then there were very few options for women. So like the whole notion of like gold diggers even comes from the fact that, yeah, you needed to marry rich. I mean, for survival, your husband dies. What are you going to do? Be a prostitute? Probably. I mean, you know, like yeah. you're, you're in the, I mean, now I'm going way back in time, but like, well, yeah, your, true. your options. So when this notion of girls fighting each other or fighting each other for a guy, well, that's because, I mean, it was like pure survival at one point in time, but it's not anymore. Thankfully, thankfully. All right. Well, um, uh, I guess stay gold. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this I is- also now have a very big obsession with Pony Boy. Like I've always seen him and all like the because people make edits of like the outsiders all the time, and I always saw Pony Boy. But then he was obsessed with Gone with the Wind, and uh-huh. I'm named after Gone with the yeah, Wind. Yeah, your name's so. Scarlet, actually, right? And I'm Tara, so right. Yeah. So that I was like, oh, I just found my new crush. See <laughs> Thomas Howell. Riley's coming for you. <laughs> um, well, I'm Tara. I'm Riley. And this is 80s Movies, A Guide to What's Wrong with Your Parents. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. You can also check our website out. And that's at 80s Movie Guide, or our website is 80smovieguide.com. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and like. And give us suggestions on what to do next. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, we'd love to hear your opinions on these things as well. This is a discussion. So <laughs> please, please add your comments on our social media. That'd be great. Maybe not hate. Yeah, you can Maybe cut back on the hate. You can cut back on the hate. We're open to your ideas, too. <laughs> but I guess that's just the world we live in. Yeah, now. it's well, grown adults fighting 19-year-olds. Yes, that is, that is the world we live in. <laughs> All right. Stay gold, all. Imagine all things that happen will age to old. No gold. Gold. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.